Ready? Ready. Welcome to Justice Losers, the podcast where we talk about pop culture media, namely movies, TVs, and comics. I'm your host, Preston Jones, mostly by my delightful co-host. <laughs> <laughs> Almost fooled you there. Uh, Matt, Matt. Matt, what do people do? People should like, subscribe, tell a friend. Um, specifically, check out our... Oh, thing recently? Patreon. Patreon. Is going through an overhaul. Okay. Uh, we've officially changed it from Justice Losers to Aryan Productions and Quality Entertainment. Okay. And it's a, actually officially a company-wide thing instead of just an us thing. Cool. So, uh, And we are also in the beginning stages of making a merch store. Okay. We're fucking real now. <laughs> we're not real yet. Until we have a merch store, we're not real. But, uh, Until I can wear the t-shirt on the episode. Yeah. We're not real. That's going to be exciting. Yeah. But yeah, no, Andrew, uh, I changed, I made the change. Uh, I just made the change to the title. Um, cause I feel like that first tier that we promote is a bit more comprehensive of the entire team than just justice losers. Yeah. So, um, there's that. Uh, so look, go check that out. Um, it might actually be worth throwing $2 at us a month cause you're throwing $2 at everything um the money that we're getting will be going straight into like we're not doing this for money we've talked about this we're not doing this for money so the money that we get will go back into what i am oh shit well (laughs) we gotta have a a reconvene about what we're doing now all the money we're gonna get is going back into creative endeavors um for the most clear most immediate use of the money did you spill drink on you no oh you pulled that off you weird pulled that off you anyway moving on the immediate uh thing we'll be using it for is when we have a script for our graphic novel uh the running charge for artists is like 150 dollars a page lovely and we have a lot of pages and we also have a really i have a really really specific uh art style in mind so if the person we find is smart they're gonna fucking squeeze every cent out of me yep <laughs> and i will go for it because i want this art style to happen and i will not cave all right uh, or i will cave very easily okay. um so yeah the check out our patreon uh go cool. go look at that go I look at don't know how to get there but do it uh if you look at patreon and look up Aryan productions i don't know i'll totally put a link yeah i think our patreon do you still copy and paste yeah the stuff in there i don't know if the patreon links in there so i'll make that change okay uh so it'll be in the descriptions um but yeah no actually consider consider throwing two dollars at us every month um because we you actually get something weekly you actually see updates live uh, like weekly updates on on our projects so you'll actually see that we're doing stuff it's not just subscribing to one of our tiers hoping that eventually we'll do something that Right. You'll get to see. You'll actually see something that we're doing. Um, see the tangible results of your investments. Yes, exactly. Um, don't bother about the other two tiers. Those don't have any substance behind them yet. <laughs> we'll go see more movies. We'll go see more movies if you just want to pay us money. Yeah. Uh, but don't do that until theaters are back open and stuff. Right. But All right. Okay. Uh, Matt, what you been up to? Um, well, I mentioned this on the backup episode that we recorded on Tuesday, mm-hmm. um, but I watched a few more episodes of Avatar The Last Airbender. Yes, yeah. Um, so the last one I talked about was The Great Divide, which, boy, <laughs> not great. <laughs> not great, and that should not be a divisive statement. Get it? 
So I was, at that point, I was like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying the show. That was a, that was a dud, but overall, I'm, I'm having fun. It's all right. And then the next two episodes after that were really good. Yes. Um, it's the storm, which is uh, the one that gives a bunch of backstory for Zuko and then some for Aang also. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the blue spirit. Yes. Um, which is a really fun, action-packed, exciting, interesting one. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is the first. You can take your mask off. I don't know how that's going across. Probably not great. <laughs> And that's the first kind of the the first real uh, moment of Zuko's redemption. Yeah, I mean he's totally doing it for selfish reasons. Yeah, but oh, trust me, that capitalizes. Oh yeah, <laughs> that that will that'll play into it. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm into it. I I've only been able to watch a couple more episodes beyond that, but. Mm-hmm. I'm, close to done with the first season at this point like five more episodes or so have you seen the deserter yet that's the next one after oh such a good one yeah and so, that yeah like i mentioned in the backup uh since people are never going to hear this and hear the backup until forever yep uh the deserter has some consequences that don't capitalize until way later okay uh or not capitalize Pay culminate off. Pay off. there we go yeah that they, they, they has ramifications Which, that don't pay off until way later capitalize kind of just a fancy way of saying pay off yeah except it just doesn't work there yeah it's one of those like english words have all these little precise meanings yeah that don't exactly line up with their own synonyms yeah it's the nice thing about the language but it's the hard thing about yeah. the language stupid i like it there's always a right word for the situation yeah it's just, but unless you don't know words and you're always saying the wrong words and you sound like an idiot and it and see right <laughs> I wonder what that feels like. <laughs> cool. So I'm uh, again. I'm glad you're enjoying it. it. Yeah. It's vindication for me and the entire fan base that a very critical person is enjoying it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'm not critical. No, I mean like, uh, like you you look for things that are a lot harder for movies to capture. I liked How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days. So true. Which came up in a conversation with me and my girlfriend. <laughs> okay. Um, and then I saw Hamilton. <gasps> Holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> How are you keeping that together while I was like... That is... Okay. I usually have a terrible poker face, but every now and then, I can just really put it on. It helps that I had a mask on. <laughs> so, for context, I was kind of raving about uh hamilton for the past what 10 minutes yeah give or take uh i I had a couple songs stuck in my head i told matt that i've seen it five times in the past five days Mm -hmm. i'm obsessed with it i just showed him you'll be back i just played you'll be back while setting up the podcast Mm -hmm. and i had no idea that matt had seen it i thought i was just playing that oh i'm so happy so what'd you think that's pretty good oh fuck you (laughs) yeah it was so good though that's pretty good Ah, i don't like this level two bullshit it needs to be a level one Nah, that's, that's all right um the the wordplay is excellent mm-hmm. it's just it's it's well deserved it um you punched the bursar <laughs> i love that I, I was i was so confused the first time i heard it i like i didn't catch that i didn't catch the lead up to it mm-hmm. so i was confused by that i was like he punched burr sir <laughs> i saw a meme that was like uh if uh, the world if Burr didn't rhyme with Sir, and it's just like a post-apocalyptic wasteland. <laughs> I don't know why I thought it was so funny, but yep. anyway, yeah, um, it kind of it kind of feels like Alan Moore, but about a ballpark down. 
Okay. Where it's like you get the sense that everything was written from both ends at once, mm-hmm. just a little less complexly. Okay. Um, the performances are all awesome. Man, Lin Manuel Miranda is just great. What do you think about David Diggs? You know who who he was? Uh, he was uh, Jefferson, right? Lafayette and Jefferson. Yep. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking love both of those characters. That was yep. He's a lot of fun. I just like I will I actively go back and find clips of him, just all of his bits. <laughs> like every time he's Lafayette, like anarchy. Uh, how do you say it? Uh, oh, anarchy. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, yeah. Um, I really like the the guy who played Burr. Um, Leslie Odom. Leslie Odom. Yeah. Yep. Um, he's just captivating when he's on screen he, he grabs is you. so much he is too good of a, he has no right to be as good at singing as he is yeah because <laughs> it's i mean uh this is something that even uh my girlfriend noticed and i definitely noticed is like throughout the whole thing towards the end pretty much everyone starts to get pitchy yeah like they start to kind of they're all exhausted they've been doing this like dancing and rapping and singing and fucking crazy shit they're yep. all getting pitchy not him he's like all the way through uh the world was wide enough. He is just fucking on point and amazing. I yeah. love him so much. Yeah, I love all of them. Yeah, it, it was. It works well having him be the one that's kind of telling the story. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good way to frame it when you have someone that charismatic. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, loved Jonathan Groff as King George. I didn't know that was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> the only things I know him from are frozen which is just voice work yeah and mind hunter okay he plays a super straight laced fbi agent who's uh-huh. like hunting down serial killers and who's got like, i don't know some he was psychopathic in hunter. terror uh, tendencies yeah <laughs> i knew he was christoph but i didn't know he was in mind hunter yeah he's uh he's the main guy basically okay um so seeing him walk on stage so watching him flounce <laughs> out there and start this little petulant <laughs> you'll be back <laughs> oh it's such a it's so fucking funny oh that yeah just everything with him it, just the like you can take those out everything oh, yeah. with king george out and it wouldn't but it, it's such nice relief yes. at three different points yeah and just like john adams <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's he's fun and just the the way he does it like yep. like you were mentioning off air the like the spittle flying uh-huh. and the um, the last time he goes into the da 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 da, da and his eyes are just like like a little insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was watching a um, it was a stage director or a uh, voice coach, uh, fucking show business show. What what am I thinking of? I have no idea. Theater theater voice coach, uh, do a breakdown of that, mm-hmm. and he said it's really interesting to watch because that's not something that like you can see. All these things this cast are, the cast is doing during the play that was not during that was not scripted for the play mm-hmm. because for musicals you're at a distance your eyes don't make a difference right but now there's cameras zoomed in so like they can actually do a little bit more acting and obviously he can he was in Mindhunter so obviously he can yeah, do no, he's, he's good acting. good acting so he put in his eyes that little twinge of just unhinged <laughs> and like he would like make and apparently he would just make eye contact and and you can see that yeah hold eye contact with members of the audience yeah and you I don't want to look away <laughs> I was just like he's not blinking <laughs> he's not blinking yeah <laughs> oh it's good stuff it's good um. um I just did you catch like were you able to hear all the words because that's something that I okay I've I've gone back and listened and looked at lyrics and yeah I need to I want I wanted to watch it with subtitles but Hannah doesn't like um, oh gotcha like closed captions uh-huh so 
Okay. But yeah, but, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll probably rewatch it. Go back with the lyrics, yeah. It's, I mean, there, there's a lot of, like, there's stuff that, that you don't catch. Oh, yeah. When it's, and, and it, it just makes the experience so much better when you know, like, exactly what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the end. This, actually, I can I can still do this without a spoiler. Uh, so, the very end, the, like, the fucking end end. Mm-hmm. Had I told you the trick to watching that part? That I have to assume that it's Lin-Manuel Miranda yes. and not... Did you did, did you like keep that in mind when you're watching it? Yep. Did it have a good like impact on I you? I have no idea what you're talking uh, about. What? So the all right, slight spoilers for Hamilton. It doesn't really matter. Hamilton dies. Like we know this. Spoilers, man. Yeah. Uh, it's only been two hundred thirty years. Yeah. <laughs> Twenty years. Um. So the whole point is that like with that last song, it's not. It has nothing to do with Alexander Hamilton. It's completely Eliza Hamilton. And mm-hmm. she's that whole song is she's the one who made the story. She's the right. one who interviewed all these people and got the story together. And she's like, her whole thing is, I really hope this story gets told. Mm-hmm. And that's Lin Manuel Miranda bringing the character Eliza forward and showing, hey, I'm telling your story. Mm-hmm. And that like it capitalized on that emotion and like it, right. it gets me. Okay, but people see it as like it's Alexander Hamilton talking to his wife, but like it's mm-hmm. it's it's a different perspective, and I like that. Yeah, no, I I got the sense that he was trying to get at something like, um. It, it's it's kind of meta in a way like mm-hmm. he's, it is very he's, meta yeah he's looking at history but he's he's telling the story he's he is the history it's yeah, uh, yeah it's a, I, I thought it was interesting but kind of just there oh okay i really liked it it was something that impacted me right. um yeah no any other comments on it um i was always enjoying myself but it just i don't know it never really reached out and grabbed me i think okay Boo! I'm just kidding. Yeah, you have your own opinions. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's, it's fine. You, you're wrong, but it's fine. You can have your own opinions. You're wrong, but it's fine. It's but it's okay. Yeah. It's fine. You're wrong, but it's fine. Man, I haven't heard that in a while. Yeah, it's been a while since we've got that one out. Uh, anything else? Uh, um, I've been reading a book that's not really related to anything, but it's interesting. Um, it's called uh, This Census Taker. It's uh, technically a novella, I think. Um, it's by a sci-fi author who I've heard a lot about, but I haven't read anything by called um, China Meville. Who? China Meville or Me- Meville? I, I don't know how to pronounce China it. China Meville. D- don't think that's how to pronounce it. All right. <laughs> um, but she's relatively famous. I've heard the name. Okay. Um, yeah. So it's a, it's basically about this kid, um, and it he lives in this this town. It's kind of unclear whether it's like a fantasy world or a real world kind of thing mm-hmm. um but there's just clearly some weird stuff kind of on the periphery um and basically the story opens with him running into town saying my mom just killed my dad oh and yeah i'm only like 30 40 pages into it but, okay um just the the world building and the tone setting is intense mm. and um there's a scene where the son is watching from a distance and um, watching his dad and he, his dad doesn't know he's there. And his dad um, lures a stray dog to him, kills the dog and then takes it to, they have, um, there's like a, a cave with just this pit in it. this giant pit. And that's, they just throw their garbage in there and the dad just kills the dog, brings it in there and just tosses it into the pit. And I'm like, I don't understand what's going on, but I'm terrified and super yeah. intrigued right now fuck it's a 
yeah, no, it's it's something. Huh. No idea if it's going to pay off over the next 150 pages. But yeah. I'm super into it so far. Cool. Anything else? Um, yes. Uh, I've been, uh, Hannah's been watching uh, Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, mm-hmm. which is kind of on Disney Plus, just kind of a unwind in the evening because Jack's accountants have had a hard few months here. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we actually just finished the original show and just started Sweet Life on Deck. I've been kind of watching over her shoulder. Mm-hmm. Um, season three is pretty funny. Really? The the kids are in high school, and so you can they can get away with a little bit, just kind of, just a little bit on edge, like some some jokes for the adults. Mm. Um, there's a there's a guy that two of the female leads have a crush on, um, and he's got a, a handkerchief that says Big D on it, and they're oh like my fighting god. over his Big D. Oh <laughs> my god! <laughs> uh, there's a great moment where the, the episode's just all about cheerleading, and so mm-hmm. one of the girls is trying out for the cheerleading squad, and um, Zach and Cody's mom says, "Oh yeah, cheerleaders—they're—they're they're terrible. They're snobby, social elitist people." And um, this girl starts chanting. Well, you sound like, give me a B, give me an I, give me a T, uh, <laughs> give me a T-E-R. Oh. <laughs> nice. And I just cut up laughing. That was, I thought that was quite funny. Yeah. So. Yeah. And it's, it's I never would have caught that. I think, because I, I watched those shows when I was a kid. Yeah. I probably definitely didn't catch that. No, yeah. That's, that's one for the <laughs> <laughs> nice. I just, I, yeah. It, it, I might have to watch specifically season three of Sweet Life on Deck. Not on Deck. The original. Oh, Sweet Life. Oh. Yeah. Wait, are they in high school in Sweet Life? Third season. Huh. Really? Yeah. They look a lot smaller and younger than everyone else. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Huh. I thought their first, I thought their freshman year was on deck. No. All right. Shows what I know. Yep. Anyway. Very little. Um. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not a great show, but it, it's, it's fluffy and enjoyable. Mm-hmm. And the more adult little jokes that they throw in there are yeah quite enjoyable cool all right uh i oh fuck what have i been up to so i saved okay so last week i complained green arrow the first three volumes are kind of shit uh there's just problems in general with the storytelling there's problems in general with the the pacing like there's a whole conversation that happens while an arrow's in the air being fired at full speed Mm -hmm. um it's just it's just not good and i found out with my life apparently i just need to complain about things because they'll immediately be fixed when i complain about them okay um because the next three volumes of green arrow are fucking good they so uh, the first three volumes i don't know who's written by but the but volume four is taken over by uh, writing by Jeff Lemire, and oh, yeah. is uh, the art is taken over by um, Andre- Andrea Sorrentino. Uh, he is like fully Italian, like he is. He lives in Italy. Okay. Um, first of all, that art style is the exact art style art style that I want for the graphic novel Nick and I are writing. Okay. I like it. it, it I had this general idea of what I wanted. I could never place it. And I could, I found a few graphic novels that or a few stories, uh, comics that had close. So I was kind of like trying to find the amalgamation of that. Mm-hmm. And I read this and I was like, Oh my God, this is exactly it. Like right. I must've read it. And I turns out I have read something. He did. I, Va- I vampire, 
which is a thing that I read fucking forever ago. And I don't know if I ever talked about it, but maybe it's a it's a new fifty two thing. It yeah. follows um, Andrew. I can't. I'm drawing a blank on his name, but he's a vampire who's basically hates all vampire. He's a vampire vampire hunter kind of thing. Okay. Um, which is tall you know, guy, long orange hair. I don't get it. I'm. I know there's a. I know there's a reference, but I'm not. Guy named Andrew. Oh, <laughs> I th- I thought th- there's another story that there's another vampire vampire hunter that exists in something. I don't know. Anyway, moving on. Moving on. Um, I I read that, so obviously I remembered that, and that's mm-hmm. that's the art style I had in mind. So I want to literally contact Andrea Sorrentino and just be like, hey, I know I have literally no credentials in comic book writing, but can you draw my my, my book? I'll pay you everything. Um, but no, it's. I mean, it's it's clear that Jeff Lemire knows what he wants to do with the character because from the first issue, he's planting seeds of things that don't pay off until, like, the last... Like, there's this reference to a dragon mm-hmm. from the first issue, and it doesn't get used, uh, and it's constantly referenced. He's like, I gotta find this dragon, and, like... And it keeps bringing him all these other things that are connected, and, like, mm-hmm. and he ends up, like, fighting people, and it, it's just... it It's a good story... And it recontextualizes stuff, and it it changes. It actually like brings back his dad. His dad wasn't dead; didn't die okay. uh, on the um, on the island like he thought he did. Uh, but he did. But like when he, he was just like, "Oh, dad's alive," and I'm like, "Fucking two hundred bucks says he's gonna die in like the next issue." Yep. Sure enough, he did. Because no one, if the character is dead in comics, no one stays dead. If they are an alive person, no one stays alive if they are a dead person. Does that make sense? A little bit. So Bruce Wayne's parents are always dead. Even if some some story has them like, oh, you're actually alive, we'll end up dying. But then for people that are alive, like Robin, oh, he's mm-hmm. dead, we'll end up alive again. Okay. Like Ben, uh, Uncle Ben mm-hmm. is always dead. Right. Uh, I don't know if there's stories where he's been, oh, he's alive. But like anytime. Probably. Yeah. So it's that kind of thing. Um I'm wondering if Marvel Zombies is a counterexample, but I can't quite. I know literally it. nothing about that. Well, but they're they're dead, but they're alive at the same time. So somehow it contradicts your point. Ha! Score I'm gonna go burn. Than zero. I'm gonna go burn all of the instances of that ever happening. I'm gonna find every single copy of that happening, and I'm gonna burn them so it doesn't contradict me. Okay. That's how you make good points. Yes. Is you murder those who, <laughs> who contradict you. <laughs> well, then they're Stalin. <laughs> uh, but no, it's it's really good. And honestly, I will say this. It was actually worth reading the first three so that I could read the next three. Okay. Hefty, hefty statement. But now I want to go find everything that... And Oh, uh, Andrea Sorrentino did Old Man Logan. Uh, so they got good people on this. They got good people on this mm-hmm. one. Um. But, uh, yeah, so that was good. And I'm waiting. I started reading the next chunk of Earth 2, which is the the, the new the two reborn, reborn Justice Society. It's got, like, Hot Girl instead of Hawkman. Uh, Hot mm-hmm. Girl, Jay Garrick, like a young Jay Garrick, a young, young Alan Scott, like the old Justice Society. Yeah. Um, and it's fine. Um it's all building up to earth Two world's end, uh, which is like a big old thing. I guess a war with dark side, um, which will then lead into the 
mainline Justice League versus the Dark Dark Side War, which is okay. a thing that happens. Um, I hope that's good because it's it's fine. I'm reading it; it's interesting enough, but it's just I don't know. It's all they're all reimaginings of characters, so they're like mm-hmm. they're having to explain the new origins of all the characters a lot, and it's yeah. but. I mean, it's fine. It, it's more enjoyable than the first three volumes of... It's definitely more enjoyable than uh, fucking Static Shock. Remember when <laughs> that happened? Uh, I read about six pages of that. Yeah. Yeah, that's bad. What else? Oh, and so while I'm waiting for the last volume of Earth 2, I restarted reading Killer Be Killed because well, I was just sitting on my shelf and I've only read it once. Wait, you started but you didn't finish. How? Well, I know what happened. It, okay. It's actually interesting. Once, uh, like, you read a story and you, like, can't put it down, but then the second time you go back and read it, it's, like, I'm actually trying to appreciate, like, a lot more, like, read mm-hmm. it a lot slower, like, take some time looking at it. But, I mean, I know what happens, so, like. It's true. There's there's less of, like, fuck, fuck, what's going to happen? Yeah. So, um, it's easier to put down, but Fair. still fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forgot to do my uh, Twitter 140 character review of the first volume because I'm halfway through the second volume. You should, you should do that. I'll have to go, go back and do that. I'll have, to, I'll have to reread volume one so I know what happens in volume one so I don't... Oh, no. Oh, no. What, what a, a shame. shame. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Yeah. I've been playing Civ again. Cool. Whatever. <laughs> Good. Yes. Yep. All right. Uh, I don't think there's anything else. Any news that's worth talking about? Um, found a couple of things that are, um, apparently it, they're, uh, they're about at the point where they'd start ramping up, um, the last minute marketing for no time to die. The release date's November. And so typically they start ramping up about three months out. Mm -hmm. Um, they're still debating whether or not they want to push it back again because they lost a bunch of money because they did the marketing ramp up to the March release Yeah, and then pushed it back eight months. Yeah. And so they lost like eight figures, yeah, like probably thirty million or something. So they're like they're not sure if they want to do that again, take another hit, and then just have to push it back anyway. So they're apparently looking at pushing it back to summer twenty twenty one. It's not locked in yet, uh, but they're thinking that that might have to be what they do. Yeah. Um, which, if that were to be the case, that would probably end up knocking um, uh, Jurassic World three back even farther. Good heavens. Because that's slated for a um, summer 2021 release. Um, but production has been kind of delayed. They're restarting it. under. Can you imagine how angry the rest of the world must be at us right now? Like, for entertainment in the entertainment <laughs> world. Like, pretty much the entire world's pretty much got this under control to the point where they'd be willing to release it. more, like, Substantially more so than us. I feel like we're the primary reason they're not releasing it, though. Because we're such a big market, and also we're so yeah. bad. We're the, we're the big market with no theaters right now, so. Yeah. Yeah. So, well. like, in, like, fucking New Zealand, where, like, they're pretty much it's completely eradicated in there, I'm pretty certain. Uh, they're just like, hey, we're ready for things to be, exist again. Can we get some movies? And they're like, sorry, uh, little brother America still can't get his shit together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. America's not dressed yet. We can't go to the movies because America's not dressed yet. <laughs> They're not even awake yet. He's still asleep. He fucking uh, snoozed his alarm clock eight times. Yeah. 
Yep. So that's that's probably how I'm I'm guessing that that's what does happen. Um, God damn it! I don't think it's likely that movie theaters would be able to get to a full reopening by um, November, which that means tenants gonna get pushed back. Fuck, man! Remember when movies came out? Good times. Last movie I saw in theaters was The Invisible Man. It was it was good. It was a great experience, except for all the obnoxious people that thought it was stupid and kept laughing at tense moments. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't remember you telling us about that. Probably. Yeah. Last like, movie I saw in theaters was I think Endgame. No, Star Wars. Oh, Star Wars came out after that. Yes, yeah, right. Wow. And we saw a couple things that summer, I think. Star Wars might have been the last thing. Well, no, because nothing happened after Endgame. We haven't had a Marvel movie after Endgame. Yeah, we have. Spider-Man. Oh, the blip. Okay. Man, how long ago did Endgame come out? Holy shit. April? What's the last movie we reviewed? Star Wars. Was it Star Wars? It was probably Star Wars. Yeah, that was the last movie that came out. Yeah. Uh, All right. Um, speaking of Star, I don't know why this is relevant to Star Wars. Um, the only other news I have is, um, there's a, a Netflix movie that's going to come out with Chris Evans and Ryan Gosling as opposing CIA operatives. It's going to be written by Joe Russo and it's going to cost $200 million to make. Holy shit. Yeah. Fuck. For a Netflix movie. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> Does that need to happen? Probably not. <laughs> It'll probably be pretty watchable, but... Wait, so if, if it's just Joe Russo, what's the other brother doing? Cocaine, mostly. <laughs> <laughs> That's not where I thought that was going. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not sure. You can't split up the Russo brothers. It's just We already did. Did we? Extraction. Oh, really? Yeah, that was just Joe. Boy, maybe Anthony must get must be getting pissed. No, he's just he's he's rolling around on a bed of money. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, so so we had a topic planned for today. You had a topic. Plan I had a topic planned for today. I was just going to kind of sit here and make snarky inserts. Um, Gage sent me a few ideas of what a topic because we're scraping the bottom of the barrel for ideas for topics. We really need you guys to tell us what you want us to hear, talk, hear us talk about. I don't think they want to hear us talk at all. I think that's the true. Um, tell us what topics would make it somewhat bearable to listen to our voices. So that's interesting because if they piss, pick a topic that they're interested in, they'll find something else. They'll to... find something else. They don't <laughs> want to hear us stumble around it for an hour. Yeah. Um, and if they pick a topic they're not interested in, well, we're not going to make it interesting for them. So there's like got to be like a midpoint in there where it's interesting enough. That our particular brand of idiocy, yeah, <laughs> uh, just hits that sweet spot. Yeah. So tell us what, because there's no movies coming out. And we typically, I mean, go back to all of our old episodes where we're like, say, hey, this is coming out, so we're gonna talk about this, even if it's not a movie we're gonna see. We fucking structured a movie on or an episode on Maleficent to Mistress of Darkness, evil, Mistress of of dancing, evil of darkness, Mis- Mistress of dancing. Dancing Dragons. Mistress of the Dance of the Dragons Feast. What? 
Anyway, anyway. Uh, so Gage sent me a bunch of ideas, which kind of a couple of them were good. Uh, <laughs> most of them weren't Gage. Most no, mo- most of them were good, and we would do those uh, once we have more research. Because actually, he had some several good ideas that I I do want to talk about, but we need to research more and find a way to actually find a method to actually make an episode on that instead of just listing female directors. We're gonna actually find a way to make an interesting episode on that. Um, but uh, one of those ideas led me to another idea, which I had planned out. And then on the way here, uh, Matt and I started talking about a novel I'm working on, uh, like the graphic novel that Nick and I are working on, that we want to do some short stories, some Hellboy-esque short stories, mm-hmm. um, to kind of learn how to write graphic novels. Um, and I've decided the way that I kind of want to approach it is for each short story to focus on an aspect of writing to to try and perfect. Now, I'm not going to perfect it, but to, to at least understand how to write it mm-hmm. so that when I get to writing this graphic novel, I will have actually known, I will actually have some practice in writing all these aspects of telling a story. So, like, I understand motifs. That's something that I might hammer in one of my short stories mm-hmm. i understand how to write uh callbacks i understand how to write uh interesting dial I, I have my own ideas of how to write interesting dialogue okay uh and the and the way to portray dialogue in a graphic novel okay um particularly because he's our char- main character is deaf so there's a lot of interesting ways i'm gonna play with that mm-hmm. um but one of the things i don't really understand how to write it's i mean if you go back and listen to all of our episodes i catch story-based stuff really well yes um like foreshadowing like callbacks like relevance like the way like i even sometimes catch framing and stuff that how they play into that yeah but that's all kind of nitty or like nitty-gritty specific stuff but if you look at the overarching themes looking at themes at tones at um like stuff like that that's more matt's domain yep um he's able to He's able to uh, identify – they have this one theme, but it kind of contradicts with this other theme, and they don't really know which one they want to work with, and like, or it can kind of call out that it's a bland theme, or like, or if it's good, it's like, that's a really interesting way to take a new path on a theme. Uh, that's He's good at that. So on the way here, I was asking him that this first short story I want to write, I want to focus on theme. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to choose a theme, and I want to know how to write to a theme. Okay. And so we started talking about that on the way here. And you were pretty quickly answering the question and with good advice in the first few sentences. Good, because I was pulling it out of my mouth. <laughs> um, so what I, I interrupted him in the middle of the car ride and said, hold on, let's make this the episode. All right. Uh, because it's something that I feel like a lot of people don't really know. Mm-hmm. Um, we, I mean, everyone talks about it in their literature classes. Like, oh, themes of good versus evil, light versus dark. Um, the blue oh. right st- lightsabers mean you're a good guy. The red lightsabers mean you're a bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> the um, green lightsabers mean you're made of CGI and children's nightmares. Wait. Return of the King or Return Return of the King? <laughs> Fucking hell! Return of the Jedi had a green lightsaber. Yes. He wasn't a CGI nightmare. Yeah, that's fair enough. Ha ha! Busted. Except they CGI'd the um, they added a whole bunch of really bad CGI to that one. Yeah. That's where they. They did some gross stuff. Cough, cough. Uh, do you think Job of the Hut's an improvement? We should do an episode on that. We should go, like, oh, there we go. Okay. Next series series we do is going to be Star Wars. Okay. Uh, I think we should split it into the original trilogy and the prequels. 
Okay. Uh, so we'll do kind of like how we did with Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. where we split it into source material and we'll figure out how to tweak it but i think we should do an episode one of the episodes on all the changes they made from the original releases to the new the mastered cuts okay and talk about what was good and what was bad all right most of it was bad most of it was bad a couple things were good uh retouching the lightsabers were good well we'll save that for the episode i'm gonna write that in our episode chart but good yes matt preston what the fuck is a theme that's a great question (laughs) i wish i could tell you i really do but i've got no idea Shouse me. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, theme is one of those ephemeral things that it's a little hard to pin down exactly what it is. Um, the way I kind of think of it, and I don't know if I've ever actually put this thought into words before, but darn it, I'm going to try right here, right now, um, is it's it's the sort of the, the questions that the viewer is asking themselves and that the uh, the – the creator, be it a, a writer, um, well, usually it is a writer, um, is trying to get the um, the audience, the reader, the whatever, um, to think about whatever they're asking. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I don't know. What's a let's go to Children of Men because I really like that movie. I think it's got a good, simple, well presented theme, um, and it's uh, interesting. You've got a frowny face on if things crashed. Nope, we're good. Okay, he's got a smiley face on. It was it was just <laughs> it was taking forever for it to boot up. Okay. Um so Children of Men. Uh, it's set in a world in the near future where it has been eighteen years since the last child was born. That's right. That's what happens in that movie. That's how the that's how the plot works. Um I'm gonna do some spoilers for Children of Men. If you haven't seen it, please pause this episode right now. Go watch the absolute balls off it. Do not get on your phone, do not get on Facebook. You glue your eyes to the screen and you watch the pants off that movie. Yeah. All right. Now that you're back, I hope you liked the Children <laughs> of Men. It was pretty great, wasn't it? So, Children of Men, um, it's I don't know if you could boil it down to like a single one-word theme, but it's it's kind of about hope and about the value of human life, um, and. Uh, yeah, just kind of kind of things in that direction, and mm-hmm. having having a purpose that's greater than yourself, and all those are kind of basic, obvious themes. But the way it gets at it isn't, hey, we're about hope, we're about the value of human life. It sets it up through the world and the story. Mm-hmm. So initially, the world is just it's bleak, it's yeah. gray, it's hopeless. Our main character is putting alcohol into his coffee first thing in the morning. Yeah. Um, there's riots, the streets are broken down, the opening scene, boom, cafe blows up, bomb. it's just, it's miserable and violent and depressing. Yeah. Um, and then about- I'm remembering third, this movie now. About a third of the way through the movie, um, the man, the, our main character, played by Clive Owen, which, you know, you've seen the movie, dear listener, yes, you did, don't you lie to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm spinning my wheels, I honestly don't have that one. <laughs> no, I got some. Um, he discovers through a, a former lover, um, that they have a woman who's pregnant. First one in 18 years. Yep. Holy crap. It's a miracle. We've got to get her to safety. There's sort of this, this promised land, this safe haven research station off the coast of Britain, um, that will be able to take her in and hopefully find something that's going on that is actually causing her to be fertile again. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Um, and so it becomes about his, his sort of quest to, to get her to this place. And there's, um, it all kind of comes to a climax. There's a group of sort of revolutionaries that are wanting to use her as kind of a symbol. Um, and so he tries, he pulls up with them for a little while and then leaves and ends up in a, um, an internment camp basically for unlawful immigrants to, to Britain. Um, cause Britain is basically stable, relatively speaking, the rest of the world's falling apart. Mm-hmm. Um, so he gets, he ends up there. Um, the rebels attack while they're there. Um, and it basically blows up into a full blown war zone. A couple of really gorgeous long takes later. Um, well, first I guess she gives birth to the child. And then she and walks out really slowly. And, well, and then stuff blows up yeah. um, as she's got the child. And then you get the, the ceasefire scene yeah. where she walks out with the child. And the, um, the soldiers, there's soldiers coming up the stairs to basically quell these revolutionaries. And the first guy is going up with his gun. And you see him kind of freeze. And you see his face just go white. Hmm. He yells, ceasefire, ceasefire. And everyone behind him just kind of freezes because they, they see what he's looking at. He's looking at the baby. And they walk out, and it's just this ethereal calm around yeah. them. And they walk through, and there's, there's soldiers making the sign of the cross, getting down on one knee, trying to touch the baby, just frozen. Yeah. And then they walk out, and things start blowing up again. And it's so, – so the way the world is set up is everything is hopeless because there is no future. It's just, okay, we're done. Yeah. You don't have to actually come out and say – Oh, there is no future. We're we're all gonna die. Everything's you you tell that through the world, through the little details that are thrown in there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the like a little one that sticks in my mind is there's a little bit of graffiti on a wall that says um, "Last one alive, turn out the lights." Oh, just something. Yeah. just little bits and pieces like that 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 stick with you. And you're just like, man, the the world really it would just it'd fall apart if we didn't have a reason to continue. The, furthering the human species is is what we're all about yeah um and then actually having that hope quantified instead of saying oh my gosh this is it this is this is our glorious new future you just you take that raw reaction of the soldiers Mm -hmm. instead of saying it you show it and they they walk the baby through and it you just you do storytelling through the the acting and the, Mm -hmm. the actions instead of characters saying what they mean I don't remember where I was going with this. Gosh, I really like that movie. (laughs) So back to the original question. Okay. What, like, what is the theme? I'm trying to think of how I can answer or ask the question, but find a different avenue for the answer. Mm -hmm. So what is the theme? Like what, how do you make, how do you make a, make the audience ask the question? What do you mean by asking the question? So, I've said this before. I'll I'll say this again. Um, one of the tenets of my grand theory of literature and literary media is that um, it's not really capital L literary if it doesn't somehow deal with the capital Q questions of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the purpose of human existence? Is it to further our own line and procreate and have hope and move into the future and try to try to move forward? Um, if it's not dealing with some sort of capital Q questions in some way, shape, or form, it's not capital L literary. It's okay. not looking for a theme. It's just seeking to be entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, bad literature is literature that answers the questions. Um, good literature is the literature that asks the questions. Great literature is the literature that gets the audience or the reader to mm-hmm. ask the questions for them. 
And so, um, I guess what's a good, bad example. That's a, uh, Hellboy. <laughs> Hellboy is a good, bad example for everything. Um, yeah, that actually, it kind of works. Cause it's, it, I mean, it's all about destiny and yeah. fulfilling his own destiny. And, um, the, the movie is all like hammering home. No, I don't want to fulfill my destiny. And yeah. He's like, you gotta, you gotta fulfill your destiny. And it's, it's, the, the characters are explaining to each other what the theme is. And then he says, oh, I've fulfilled my destiny. And he's got the sword and he cuts off her head. And he says, well, now I'm in charge. Yeah. I'm King Arthur or something. <laughs> yeah. It was a stupid movie. That was a bad movie. <laughs> the story makes sense in the comics. And also turns out differently. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> uh, the, the, the point is, it never gives the audience a question to think. Um, it never gives the audience a chance to stop and think, okay, well, wait, what is, what is this tension of, between destiny feel like? Like, would I be able to accept my destiny knowing that it's, uh, I don't know, this hard and I'm um, accepting these risks? And I'm starting to discover that this isn't great in, as great an example as I thought, but oh. <laughs> it, it works. Um, okay, so what's a movie? Okay, let's go, let's go to the, the good example. Okay. Like, how how does... Um, no country, not, not that one. How does, uh, children, children of men. men make you ask a question? What are the questions it makes you ask? Um, so it, it forces you to draw the connection between there being no children and no hope. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't say, oh, there is no hope because there are no children. It doesn't draw that link. It's gotta gotcha. be creating the answer. It sets up the question. It says, okay, there are no children. There is no hope. There's causality, right? Is there? I don't know. Yeah. Would it look something like this? Um, how are each character's particular actions tied to the nature of the world? Mm-hmm. Um, and then once the child is born, it's does this change things? Is this an actual meaningful step forward? Is this progress? Is this hope? Mm-hmm. Um, and you show some characters' reactions, and they it, it's kind of answering its own question, yeah. I guess. But um, God, it's such it's such a good scene. I can't. <laughs> um, but it it gets you it gets you to step outside and say, okay, well this does have a visceral reaction. And that makes sense. That, that jives with the answer we've come up with to the first question. Why mm-hmm. are we so hopeless? Cause there's nothing. Give us something, a little bit of something. And on a base level, okay, there is that visceral reaction, but then you step outside and you think, okay, well, big picture, what does this mean? And then like the fact that the soldiers and the rebels go back to fighting immediately, as soon as the, the baby is clear, you're like, okay, does this really change anything? Yeah. You're, your wheels are turning. It's getting you to step outside of just the obvious base level stuff that it's showing you. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. in the car, you mentioned like, uh, so the graphic novel I'm where the short story I'm working on is a vigilante and a realistic vigilante. I'm going to try to avoid hyper realism uh, that is struggling with their own morality and legality of what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to figure out what I can do in terms of a theme. Like yeah. it's, I, we, we talked a little bit about like, I mean, there's easy enough, like is what I'm doing good or bad? Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of a obvious one, but how do you, you were, you were kind of mentioning the point of how do you find a different take on that? A, a smaller part of that. Yeah. You need to, you need to dig into some sort of, 
specificity in there. So not um, is what I'm doing good or bad in some holistic sense. Um, is this particular thing worse than this other particular thing? You start to think about the trade-offs. So like a, a classic example that is overdone, and I wouldn't mm -hmm. recommend this for you in particular, is the, the Batman question of like, okay, if I kill the Joker, then I am a killer. If I kill the Joker, I effectively save all of the lives that he would have ended. We know he would. That's yeah. just how he operates. He's unstoppable killing machine. Mm -hmm. Which kind of feels like a weird way to describe the Joker, but we're rolling with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so a, an ineffective way to ask that question would be, um, or to do that question would be to do what a, a lot of comics would do and say, is it worth it to kill the Joker? And then have Batman say, no, because then I'm as bad as him. It's that's a bad that's an, an example of that's a bad, an example of them asking the question them answering the or question. them answering the question yeah it's it's simplistic um, and it doesn't give the audience room to play with the contours of the mm -hmm. thing um, and I mean you do see good Batman stories where they're like he's he's wrestling with it um, Dark Knight honestly does that fairly well he's it's not specifically that theme but it's um, he drops the Joker off the building at the end of it and catches him. But then that camera move where it turns upside down, mm -hmm. Joker has won. He's, he's up. He's, he's alive. Yeah. He's alive. He's upright. His plan has succeeded. You suddenly you're asking yourself, wait, was that really worth it? Yeah. And it kind of answers its own question. Um, or it leads you to the answer at least, um, when it gets to the end and, Okay, Batman saves the day, but he rides off into the um, into the into the moon. fluorescent yeah. moonlight, and um, it's not quite answering its own question, but it's sort of it's leading you in that direction, and it's it's a little more oblique. It's still a really good example of that. Mm -hmm. Take something like the Killing Joke, where it's again it's that same question: it's like, do I kill the Joker? Mm -hmm. um, and you get to the the end in those final panels, and it's. I mean, they've been building up to this the whole time and he leaves it kind of ambiguous. It's like, is he actually just strangling the Joker here? Is he just leaning yeah. on his shoulder? Are they laughing? What's going on? And then you start spinning off. Okay. What if he is killing him? What does that, what does that mean? Where does that lead from? It's, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it, it's getting you to, to stop and think about the implications and the, the, the bigger parts of the thing that you're just feeling the little contours of. So what if I went with an, with an approach, I guess I'm just kind of using this episode as an example to have this conversation and figure out what I'm going to do with the story. Yeah, no, this is good. Uh, what if I went with the approach that's less of like, is, well, it would kind of, the question would be, is this uh, like, is what I'm doing good or bad by like, that question would be answered by the question. Are people inherently good or bad? Like, okay. so every, every person he takes down, he deems as bad, mm -hmm. but are they bad? Are they, are they subject or objectively bad? Okay. And is there hope for people? Like are, are people, can people be inherently good or inherently bad? Okay. How would I approach that kind of thing? Very carefully. Cause that kind of thing has been done a lot. Oh, damn it. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, it's, yeah, I mean, it's the question of you're passing the judgment. Well, who made you judge jury X? Yeah. Or who watches the watchman? Yeah. Judge Dredd. Just wanted to throw that in there. Great yeah. movie. Um, anyway. Carl Urban. <laughs> Great actor. What a guy. Aomir. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. The guy from The Boys. Yeah. Bones. Bones. Boners. Lots with Amir. What was I saying? Something about themes. Uh, yeah, something about themes. Yeah. Um. So if you want to ask that particular question, don't ask that particular question. That's a big picture question. Ask a small question or get the audience to ask a small question that forces them to feel out into the contours of of that. And that's the, the difficult thing to do. So usually you need some sort of specificity. You need like a particular incident um, or a particular moment that gets the audience thinking about those bigger things. And then you can sort of use the fact that the audience has that in their head to mm-hmm. springboard more ideas into them. Um, and I, I don't really know how your story is going to go, but there's, um, I suppose there's a few ways you can do that. Um, there's always the classic, oh, he, he kills a guy, but then discovers that he has, I don't know, kids left behind that he's trying to care for or yeah. something. And that's, that's obvious. That's cliche. It's overdone. Um, that's why the, this particular question is difficult because it's it has been done a lot so yeah a lot of different people have taken different approaches to it um this is a tough one yeah we started real tough yeah also i kind of sprung this topic on you at the very last minute a little bit um you look like a fool i am a fool so as it turns true. out true for the best we're just revealing true things about yes myself. that's the theme for this episode yep Matt's Matt's foolishness. How much? What do you think is the thing that that? Uh, what aspect of a story do you think plays the most into a theme? The music, mostly. Really? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it can. Um, not very well in a graphic novel, I assume. Mm-hmm. You can. You can throw. You, in, yeah, like, we, we can make the wild song assumption song. that music doesn't really play into a theme of a graphic novel. Yeah, you could do it if you were very skillful and you could work in like the lyrics of a song or something. Oh, I see what you're saying. But yeah. that's going to come off real corny unless you're Alan Moore. Yeah. So I'd advise against that. Uh, what was the question? What do, what sure. aspect? What of, aspect? Yeah. Um, a lot of it is going to – you can just stem from character, character decisions because the character can um, – if not stand in it as an audience proxy, at least stand in as a – like – a hypothetical person that the audience can engage with. Mm -hmm. Um, And so if you can get the character thinking about something or get the character in a situation where they should be thinking about something, the audience is going to put that in their mind too. Okay. Um, Yeah. So leading with characters, probably going to be a good So putting the character in a position where he's make the character ask the question you want the but not actually have them say the question. Right. You have to put them in a That's position. literally the only difference between, like, a good and a great is having the character. Like, if the character's, like, is what are humans inherently bad, instead of them, like, observing the things that would lead into that question, and then they just don't actually ask the question, that's the difference? In a, in a very simplistic, boiled-down sense, and this is this is not an end-all-be-all rule. This is a, yeah. this is a um, just kind of a, a rough framework. Y- yeah, that'd be the thing. You... Um, you set them up to, to be thinking about the question or something something related to that question in their head, and then you show their actions and reactions and emotions changing relative to that question. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't you don't ever address it head on necessarily. Um, 
let's go back to Dark Knight for a second. The kind of one of the underlying themes is order versus chaos. And okay, we get the Joker. I'm an agent of chaos, and mm-hmm. he's he's excited about that. Um, but it's never explicitly laid out that okay, Batman is the order, and Joker is the chaos. You just yeah. get Batman making decisions to that, create order. To create order, he creates the the big sonar network of cell phones. Was this movie dumb? <laughs> <laughs> this movie was kind of dumb darn it was good though so that movie wasn't dumb yeah, it was comic booky a little bit yeah yeah um yeah so it, it you get batman trying to impose order he might not even be explicitly thinking of it in those terms mm-hmm. but that's what he's but he has a belief that he's trying to live and his belief is that order is yeah and so you start asking the question, okay, well, this chaos is is destructive, but, I mean, the Joker's not really chaos in that movie. He just he talks the talk. He's got all these plans, all these schemes, as much as he protests to the contrary. But we'll get – well, that's a different thing. Um, the, <laughs> it sounded like you were saying a line from the, from the movie. Sort of, sort of half-referencing um, his, his little speech to, to Harvey in the hospital. He's like – You've, you've all got plots. You've all got schemes. Yeah. You're trying to go in that direction. Gotcha. Um, but uh, the point is, Batman, yeah, um, Batman's not even asking the question to himself. But it's it's there kind of in his subconscious. Mm-hmm. It's motivating his decisions, his, his idea that a well-regulated society is one with order. And you start asking yourself, okay, well, the chaos is bad, but is it are, like – how far does the order go? What are the costs? Like, are we fully okay with everything this Batman guy's doing? Okay. So the other thing that I want to do with my with this with this specific story is actually like really closely follow the hero's journey. Okay. Like, I want it to be like I want, if someone were to go to crit, like critique this and be like, oh, it's a hero's journey, it would be like stupid obvious. Okay. Like, I don't want to, like, mask it out. It's going to be like, this is crazy obvious. So an old guy's going to hand up and hand him his father's lightsaber? Pretty much. Cool. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I mean, I want it to be, uh, like, I want it very, I, I'm going to make it follow it, mm-hmm. but I, 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 I will kind of mask it. Like, and, like okay. it's not going to be specifically an old person, an old wise person. It'll be, like, maybe something that he remembers from reading a book or something where, like, that's the wise thing that kind of... Like the call to action is something I'll figure all that stuff out. But you basically, should, you should read about how Shostakovich messes with sonata form. Oh, uh-huh. Shostakovich messes with sonata form, but he leaves it as sonata form, hmm. and it's recognizable as such if you know you're looking for it. Yeah, it's uh, I might actually have to do that. Yeah, I might get some ideas. Basically, like I'm imagining now, because at the for the end of the hero's journey is the change of status quo. Right. Basically, is it's a really dancing the line between it where. The character comes to a conclusion, but for the audience, it's still ambiguous. Like the audience can basically, I want the character to come to the conclusion, but the audience is still possible to go to it to come to a different conclusion. Yeah, like that's a, that's a good place to live in. Because if he comes to maybe at the end, he comes to the conclusion that like what I'm doing is bad, mm-hmm. but there are people that are reading whatever's happened and can go, Nah, you should keep doing it, bud. Yeah. Watchmen's another great example. You can you can hypothetically read that and sympathize with any of the main characters. Yeah. Up to a point. You can be like, okay, this guy's got the right view on society, he's got the right view on the, the climax. Mm-hmm. Just 
this guy knows what's going on. And you can, you can take that perspective with any of the different characters yeah. realistically. If you go with comedian, you should seek psychological help. <laughs> but <laughs> he's the one I connected to the most. You please put the gun down. <laughs> <laughs> About right. Put the knife down, put your pants back up, please. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. So, okay. Woo! Jesus. That was exciting. Ow. <laughs> I bumped the chair. What would you call this? The chair shrinker? Uh, in shortenifier. In shortenifier. Oh, God, that's too tall. You're having fun. I'm... Wee! <laughs> I don't know how far my dad has it up. I'm just going to put it, like, right there. That that's, seems... That's probably a good level. There we go. Uh, what are other things? What are, so, for you personally, what's a question that you... Th- that you ask yourself when you think about themes like what's a what's something that i haven't asked but is a thing that you think of when you think of themes um i don't know if it boils down to like a specific thing but i i like to think about the um just the toolbox you can use Uh when you're tackling themes um i've said this before and i'll say it again another tenet of my great core theory of literature is that imperfect metaphors beat perfect metaphors every time. Uh, yeah, I remember you actually texted that to me. Um, and my Elaborate on that. My Uber example of that is Zootopia. Okay. Um, so you've got the society, and it's got predators and prey animals, and they coexist in harmony, but there's sort of a, a latent racism, if you will, in there. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the prey animals fear the predator animals for historical reasons. And it's it, it's meant to approximate but not perfectly mimic um actual american experience with racism historically Mm -hmm. um there's a lot of just imperfect edges where like okay well the predator animals literally used to eat the prey animals yeah that's not that's not something that happened that we know of i mean sure there are there are cannibals in the world but yeah (laughs) off topic so i could play with the with the theme of police brutality where i could kind of uh analog him to a brutal police officer that's like but obviously it would fall apart at a certain level yeah there are you can't just map something to something else have just a perfect one-to-one mapping Mm -hmm. getting linear algebra up in here i mean that's not linear algebra i feel like there are perfect mappings with linear algebra yeah there are and yeah yeah one is not yeah but anyway, also beside the point, I'm having all kinds of fun with the tangents. All the tangents. It's just, it's, I'm getting tired. It's time for me to spin my wheels. Yeah. <laughs> no, the the point is, if you map something just one-to-one, then people say, oh, well, this is just exactly that. There's no interesting thing for them to latch on to. Yeah. When you get to the, catch those rough edges, you start getting people thinking about the differences and the similarities and doing a, mm-hmm. a, a comparison. And so, you know, like, with Zootopia, okay, well, the prey animals have legitimate fear of this predator animals is i don't know some part of american racism has that been rooted in in fear mm-hmm. and you start you, you start pulling around those rough edges and feeling feeling out for for deeper truths within there yeah um i'm getting real tactile with my descriptions of yeah. all this rough edges and you touch a little bit feeling and yeah contours yeah and, I mean that's kind of what a theme is. It's a it's a big object that you just can't see, and you gotta you gotta figure out how to get to it. And you mm-hmm. figure out something that feels like it but not quite the same. And the differences tell you what the similarities are. Um, and you touch a little bit of it, and you 
try to infer what that says about the rest of it. I'm liking this. That's a good analogy. Nice job, Matt. Look at you. And it's not food. Yeah. It's a little more um, philosophical almost. <gasps> oh, no. Yay! <laughs> um, yeah, imperfect metaphors are good. Um, leading with character is good. Um, tone is very useful. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're... I mean, you, you just you got your, you got to get your audience in the right headspace for the the questions you want to be asking them, and um, just the the I mean the the again, children of men. Everything is gray. Yeah, everything is kind of dirty. Um, people, you see people just kind of out of the corner of your eye that are clearly suffering. Yeah, um, from a variety of different ills, and it's. It's not sitting here telling you, hey, this is hopelessness. It's setting a tone that puts you in the mindset where you're thinking about hopelessness. Mm-hmm. Um, tone, tone, tone's good. How does tone... Is tone just basically light or dark? No. No. Like a color? Uh, you could probably map it to some sort of more complex color spectrum. Um but tone is it, it has to do with kind of the um the energy and the tension of the thing and um the, the humor level of it yeah i would um, so tone is basically a perfect analog to a human emotion no no okay um so a good example would be um something like yorgos lanthimos um his tone is awkward it's awkward it's clumsy it it puts you in the headspace of a comedy almost yeah just it, it feels all a little bit slapstick there's no jokes really but it just it, it feels kind of like it yeah and so um it just puts you in sort of the the, the wonky headspace um but then the fact that he doesn't actually make it comedic is yeah just a little unsettling um we know he likes unsettling yeah so that's kind of his his mo um, someone like uh, Andrei Zvyagintsev, who you don't know, but you should. Um, he's a Russian director. Um, he's done some of my favorite movies of the past few years: Loveless, Leviathan, hmm. um, Elena. Um, he's very good at just sort of bleak, existentially despairing tones. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of his movies open with like a two-minute nature montage. Or at least huh. all the ones I've seen. Yeah. Um, and so Leviathan is kind of it's a it's a kind of a grim seashore kind of area. Uh-huh. Um, sparse vegetation, um, and the just the poster is a couple of people and this giant whale skeleton that's washed up on the beach. Huh. And it just it's it, it puts you in this presence of mind of just bigness and awe and desolation in a sense because it's skeletal yeah and it's it's not something you can really pin down exactly in words but it puts you in sort of a um a, a despairing but kind of quietly odd sense that you need for a tale about um small town political corruption that just basically destroys this guy's life mm-hmm. um loveless is um it opens with like a two minute winter montage and it's snow falling and snow on branches and frozen river um and then you get into signs of habitation and it's like the 
grim gray Soviet architecture yeah. everywhere, just blocky and sharp edged and gruesome. And that puts you in just this, just this incredibly bleak mood. And it's, it's a, it's a movie about, um, so basically the plot is there's this couple, they're getting divorced. Their 12 year old son is caught in the middle. He runs off. They, um, have to try to work together to find him. And it's basically them just being as nasty as two people can be to each other for oh, fun. an hour and a half. That's loveless. Yeah. I can imagine why it's on my Preston. You should watch list. Yeah. It's, uh, that was probably one of my top, I don't remember exactly how our list broke down, but that was probably one of my top five movies of the decade. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, it, it puts you in this cold, bitter mood. Yeah. And, he sets that just by setting up kind of the surroundings. It's um, s- small kind of squalid Russian apartments and um, just grim gray ice bit everywhere. Um, Hateful Eight kind of puts you in a tone of just like isolation. Yeah. Hateful Eight, again, it starts with the, nas- the nature mm-hmm. montage. And there it does it with these awe-striking huge shots of just you're isolated. Yeah. It's cold and you're stuck here. And so um, when the humans show up, it kind of, it centers things on them because they're the only thing. Yeah. You know how big it is. It's similar, but it's kind of a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So tone, just capturing that right tone is, um, it, you have to be real specific with it to, to get exactly into the right mm-hmm. headspace. Um, but if you can do that effectively, you can do it really well. Cool. Um, so I, yeah, you can. A, a bad example would be Seven. Did you ever, did you ever nope. see Seven? It's good. It's good that you should watch it. Um, but it it struggles with tone because, um, I mean, it it does it reasonably effectively. But it's just, they live in this city where it's raining all the time. Mm-hmm. Every single scene, it's raining, and you just get kind of glum. But it's also it's it's a little obvious. It's a little one dimensional. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, you just you need to tease out like again the little rough edges. Yeah. Okay. Anything else? Um, or have we kind of like beat this horse enough? I think we probably beat this horse enough. If I'd thought about this more, I'd probably have better examples, and yeah, we'll revisit. But yeah, I think I think I've got a starting place. Okay. I like, I like my analogy. It's just yeah. a big thing that you can't see. Yeah. And if you if you show it, it's not interesting anymore. Yeah. Cool. All right. I have some ideas. Good. I'm going to get high and think about them. Cool. That's when I actually do the most creative stuff. I got some really interesting shit that I threw in my, our uh, Ross notes. All right. I'm going to talk to you about after because okay. I think they're really interesting. Anyway, uh, shall we? We shall. Thanks, everyone, for listening. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, and Podbean. We are on Facebook where we don't really do that much anymore. No. Um I don't know. Once I start seeing movies again, maybe I'll start writing movie reviews again. That was always kind of fun. Mm. I just never had time. Still don't. But, yeah. Um, we're on Twitter, at JusteUsLosersPod, where if Preston complains about things, they come true. So Preston, complain about there only being four volumes of Kill or Be Killed. Um, and then we'll get more. I don't know if I want to do that. Well, first of all, Kira is supposed to get a spinoff. Huh. I, I haven't seen any news about that. I don't know if my yelling is getting picked up but yeah mm. she's supposed to get a spinoff also the movie i don't want oh like, yeah i don't want to push fair like, okay <laughs> yeah but okay. something that close to my heart i don't want to like okay um 
what's what, what's something a little more subtle we can do um the menu should come back yeah they should have like a a disney plus dark or something where they can put the more mature stuff yeah and they should put the menu on there they should bring it back yeah i'll complain about that myself it's stupid that they killed it because daredevil 3 was great and jessica jones 3 was great and iron fist 2 was really picking up and i liked luke cage too mm. i know you didn't but my mom also did so she was right and you're wrong um <laughs> Punisher 2 was kind of a letdown, but that's all right. Um, Yeah, bring the menu back. Bring it back. You dirty cowards. I want the dessert. Bring the menu back. Yes. Bring the wine menu. (laughs) We're here for a while. Because we're going to whine about the menu. (laughs) Uh, We're on Instagram, at JustUsLosersPod, where we don't post anything at all. We're on Gmail, JustUsLosersPod at gmail.com, where you can email us episode ideas uh fan theories bionicle related or not um you can suggest movies on streaming we i i we i mean we could totally review like the old guard or something that's big and popular on netflix i'm not super excited about it but i hear it's pretty good um we can do that if you want us to let us know send us an email send us a review so we can just read your review and then we don't have to for you yep um we're on patreon where you can give us lots and lots of filthy lucre Two dollars a month. Two dollars a month. Not that much. Yeah, it's really, really nothing. Um. Yeah, and then we'll do more creative stuff. Yeah. That's the plan. That's the plan. Uh, I don't think we're on anything else. Occasionally, Preston's on drugs. Occasionally. Yeah. Always. Uh, I think that's all the things I'm supposed to have said at this point in the episode. And Preston still hasn't picked out an instrument. So thanks for listening. Bye. 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 <laughs> That's still going. Definitely not picking up on the audio, but still going. Mm-hmm. Still going. Still going. Still going. Alright, it's sufficiently quiet.